Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box, with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Hey, Mia Hull with you on FBI Radio 94.5, streaming online or on the podcast, This is Out of the Box. It's the place where every Thursday from 12 to 1, I sit down with one person and their record collection, and we look at the stories and songs that have shaped their life. We're broadcasting from the FBI Radio studio in Redfern, which means we're coming to you from unceded land belonging to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Before we go any further, I want to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening right now. Gadigal people have been sharing stories and songs on this land since the beginning of time. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today I'm joined by Cerise Page. Cerise is a fitness expert, personal trainer and a performer at heart. But her path to that career has taken a bunch of twists and turns. It involves an Australian Idol audition, a move to New York City and a really fun selection of songs. I'm so excited to dig into them. Her story also involves a battle with a drinking problem. So if that brings anything to the surface for you or you just need to talk to someone, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Cerise Page, what an honour. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Mia. I'm so excited. So this story starts off in the Central Coast. When you think about your life there, what do you think about? I had a very idyllic childhood. We moved around a lot, but we're on the Central Coast for the first 10 or 11 years of my life. It's a beautiful place to grow up, lots of beautiful beaches. I was really close to my older sister. Well, actually, that's a lie. At that point, we were not. We hated each other's guts. (laughs) But, you know, she was always there. And your childhood's kind of split across two households as well. Yeah. Tell me about that. So my parents um, divorced when I was about four. Um, I actually don't really have any memories of them being together, but I have like fond memories of them telling us that they were (laughs) getting divorced. (laughs) Only because of the way they framed it. And now... Sometimes you don't know if it's a real memory you have or if it's like someone has told you this happened so you've created the memory. But I feel like I remember them sitting us down and just kind of explaining, you know, like mum and dad are going to – we're going to live in different houses and so you'll have two Christmases and you'll get to celebrate your birthday twice and, you know, you're going to have two different homes and bedrooms to set up. And I was like, this sounds sick. (laughs) And I don't – genuinely at any point I don't – I was not upset. But, yeah, so – and both my mum and separately my dad moved houses quite a bit, so we were moving around quite a lot. And then my mum – we moved to Newcastle, so that was – 2000 we moved to Newcastle and I was um, very excited to move to Newcastle um, because that's when we got into the performing arts school so that was the reason to move to Newcastle was because we got into that school. It's so interesting talking to you Cerise I think you're describing things that you know a lot of children find to be really hard or really disruptive in their lives and you're like oh yeah it was fun it was chill and I (laughs) guess that kind of comes down to your parents so Let's talk about them. Yeah. Firstly, I mean, what what kind of man is your dad? My dad is the funniest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> I am completely obsessed with him. Everyone that knows him adores him. It's so hard because it's he's changed so much over the years. So when I was growing up, he was he was an alcoholic, but still at the same time, the best person ever. So he was still the same person in lots of ways, but he would just be like 
crankier sometimes. He'd mm. be like a little bit quicker to snap at you. But it's been really amazing. Um, so he's now, I want to say 12 years sober. Um, and watching how much he's changed through that time and how much our relationship has changed. Um, we're so much closer now. And your mum was studying when you were little? Yes. What was she studying? She was doing psychology. Whoa. Yeah. And she had you and Sade. Yep. That's amazing. Yes. She's two little kids and she's studying as well I have and working. no idea how she did it. She had, I think at the time, about two or three jobs at the same time. So she was a hairdresser at that time. She had a few other jobs. I think my mum's always been someone that's like, if you need money, you work and you do whatever job you need to do. And she was, so this is when we were living on the Central Coast and she was studying at Newcastle Uni. And this is before uni was online. So mm. she was like driving to Newcastle and working. And yeah, I've n- I do not know how she did it. <laughs> how yeah. she did it. It's wild. Your parents sound like such excitable, highly motivated people. And, you know, maybe that speaks to the person that you've become a fitness expert now and a performer for many years as well. You did mention that you went to a performing arts school, which I want to talk about in a couple of minutes' time. Yeah. But first I want to talk about your Australian Idol audition. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I love talking how, about How it. did you end up there? Tell me about that. So it must have been one of the first Australian Idols. It must have been. And I'm there was a few of us, because I went to performing arts school, there was a quite a few people that wanted to audition and now like bearing in mind I was not a singer at this point and I'm just being like well you know everyone else is auditioning I want to audition for Australian Idol and I was just obsessed with drag queens and I have been since I was a little kid and so I dressed in drag and I wore this um like I was re- a drag queen drag queen yeah yeah just like full full face of makeup that my hair was hilarious. It's embarrassing, actually. I didn't even bother with a wig doll. She just did a Pollyanna half up, half down, bit of a mountain <laughs> moment. It was, a very, it was very funny. Um, but I wore this, like, purple sparkly dress that I had worn to a tap performance. Mm. And I was so hyped up. And all my friends were, like, practicing. And I was just like, I'm going to sing this song that I know from the Priscilla Queen of the Desert soundtrack. And just, like, I went into this, like, low octave singing voice to, like, sing it. Just <laughs> I went into the full character right now i feel like it's the perfect time to jump into a song yeah you've chosen the song finally yes tell me about it well i feel like this number one is just my favorite song from that soundtrack the priscilla queen of the desert soundtrack and to me it's just like it takes me back it takes me back to being a kid and like in the school holidays popping on that soundtrack and just having friends over and choreographing dance routines to this song in particular. And it's a really fun song to sing along to. Um, and I just feel like love it or hate it, everyone knows this song and that's just fun. So if you're listening to this right now, feel free to sing along as well. It's Finally by C.C. Peniston on FBI Radio 94.5. You are listening to Out of the Box. My name is Mia Hull and I'm sitting down with Cerise Page, fitness expert.
You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAB, or if you're streaming via the podcast or on the website, that song was, of course, from the Priscilla Queen of the Desert soundtrack. It was finally by CC Peniston, chosen by my guest on Out of the Box today, fitness expert Cerise Page. And, you know, when we were talking about that, you talked about being at a performing arts school and mm-hmm. how you auditioned for Australian Idol along with a lot of your peers. It seems like you kind of naturally rolled into performance or that love of performance? Do you remember where it first came from? I feel like it's always been something that's in me. So, um, you know, as a child, whenever we had people over, my my parents would have friends visiting and my sister and I would always want to put on a performance. Like we'd put on a show, I would put on my little tap shoes or we'd put together like a little play or something. I've always really enjoyed making people laugh. So it's predominantly that. So... I've always kind of done that naturally, but I don't remember really getting into drama that much until I auditioned for the performing arts school. And then I was kind of, once I was in, I was like, oh, this is really fun because then we got into like play building and writing your own like sketches and getting a group together with your friends and putting on a performance for like the assembly. And I just, it was my life. Like I loved it so much. How old were you when you first auditioned? I was in year four, auditioning for year five. So just a little baby. Yeah, <laughs> 10 or like 11. 11, I think. Yeah. Tiny baby. So yeah. when you're at this performing arts school, and I imagine doing pretty well, were you ever looking forward and thinking about what the future might hold for you as a performer? Definitely. I pretty much from when I started at that school, I just totally wanted to be an actor. That is what I want to do as an adult. And I could not see myself doing anything else, especially being in that environment because you're surrounded by other people that also want to head in that direction Mm. or like professional singers, professional dancers. So, and I didn't see myself having a passion for anything else. It's so funny, but you know, you're so young, Yeah. but it was very much like, um, and all the way through to year 12, like I had friends that along the way kind of dropped off and they're like, no, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to uni and do this. Mm. And the performing arts became like something in the background. But I was like, no, I don't really see anything else for me. This is really what I want to do. And now you sit before me as a fitness expert. I know. (laughs) But I do wear a Madonna microphone when I'm teaching a class. (laughs) And technically, I'm on a stage. So (laughs) weirdly, there is actually a lot of similarities, which is why I feel like I love uh, when I'm teaching group fitness so much because there's so much of it that that I get to tap into my like the theatre part of me and, and the comedy side too. Totally. I, I actually do think about that sometimes when I go to classes, how flawless the delivery is that comes from the trainers sometimes. I'm like, yeah. whoa, she nailed that. That was perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's done it a million times and best believe she practised it. And also when they um, are like singing along in spin classes as well. Like it's so yeah. impressive. Yeah. I guess you have to be a bit of a performer to do that. Um, you totally do. And yeah, later in the show, we will talk about your career as a fitness expert. But first, I want to jump into a song, Cerise. The next one you've picked comes from Usher. Yes. Tell me about this. So I love this song so much. I don't remember exactly the year that like maybe it came out or that I like loved it, I guess, initially. But it's funny because when I hear it, it takes me back to going to like parties in high school so I want to say like maybe from year nine onwards Mm. I think and we would go to people's houses and we'd listen to music and this song we choreographed a dance to yeah by Usher and I still remember like the first like dun 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 
Like I literally still remember the first part of it. And it was like slutty and it was fun, but it was appropriately slutty for Mm. the age. It was all right. Um, And every time it came on after that, if we were at a party or if we're at like we used to go to this underage nightclub um, and the song came on, like the gals, we'd like (laughs) catch each other's eye and we'd like go into the routine. So you can still fall into it now, do you think? Yes. Amazing. Definitely. Okay, well, um, we'll play the song and you can show me. Love it. (laughs) This is Yeah by Usher on Out of the Box on FBI Radio Usher on FBI Radio 94.5, an artist you might not often hear on this station. The song was called Yeah, and it was chosen by my guest on Out of the Box, fitness expert Cerise Page. I'm looking at my notes at the moment, Cerise, because when my producer put this together, she just kind of marked this part of her research as start spreading the news, um, which (laughs) (laughs) I've been singing all day, but it is, um, you know, she's probably talking about your move to New York, (laughs) which is a place you have famously lived for quite some time where were you in life when New York first started to emerge as you know a place that you thought you could live well I have like a weird kind of like a half memory maybe of when I first decided I wanted to move there and I remember I couldn't tell you where I was going I was on a bus I feel like maybe it was a school excursion I don't know why. I had my headphones on and I was listening to Madonna's album um, and her song New York. And for whatever reason, I must have been like listening to it. My eyes would have been closed and I was just jamming out. I was just like in the zone picturing New York. And obviously because I have spoken about that, I wanted to get into acting. And I was like, I'm, I need to move to New York. Mm. I'm moving to New York. And because I was always... I was always going to be that person that the minute I left high school, I was leaving the house. Like I was not going to stay home with my parents. And I was so excited. So it was always just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get into acting? And I'm just picturing. So this would have been, I would have been in year 10, I think. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to get into theatre or acting and I'm going to become this like famous actor celebrity. And literally I I remember telling my mum and so we – set this like goal and I set like a financial goal of what I needed to save up and I worked at that time I was working weekends on Saturdays and Sundays at a a, a, like a vintage clothing store making I believe ten dollars an hour oh my gosh yep ten dollars an hour I think it was cash don't come for me (laughs) um and I saved up for like two years and so yeah I like booked a flight and it was like March the year after I graduated. So I graduated in December, I guess, year 12, the HSC. And I had my flight booked to leave on like March 4th or something like Mm. that to fly to New York. That's so impressive that your parents were like, oh, this is your dream? Cool, let's make this happen. Let's sit down and make a plan. Totally. I love that. Yeah, they've always been like that. They're like, cool, like, what do you want to do? You can definitely do that. What can we do to help? Love them. Yeah. I love hearing about your parents. I'm very, like, very, <laughs> very lucky. I have very supportive parents. Yeah. And they've always been like that. So when you moved to New York, had you already been accepted into a drama school? or 
Good Any question, Mia. Wheels in motion. <laughs> Great question. That would have made more sense. The answer is no. <laughs> so I basically had no plans. I had um, an auntie, my auntie Helen, lived in New Jersey, um, which if you've been there, it's about an hour. She lived about an hour from New York City. And so my one plan that I had locked in was I was going to fly in and I was going to stay with her until I found like somewhere to live in the city. Mm. So I did that. She was amazing. Like she was amazing taking me and letting me stay there. And I think back and I'm like, oh, 18 year old. I should have been so much more grateful for like her letting me stay there. It would have just been a mess, like left dishes revolting. Anyway, yeah. it makes my skin crawl thinking back. Sorry, Aunt <laughs> Helen. Um, but yeah, so I would get the bus um, into Manhattan and back and just kind of like I would – I remember going to these um, – there was like a website that I used to go on to where there would be like advertised open bars, which is hilarious. Obviously I had a very good fake, ba- fake ID back then because I was 18. But I'd go to these open bars and like make friends with people that lived there so that I had more connections with people in like Manhattan and Brooklyn um, until I found somewhere like cheap that I could afford to live um, closer to the city. So I think I stayed with her for about two or three months until I found somewhere to live closer to Manhattan. And were you happy with the place that you ended up living in? It was so revolting. It was <laughs> disgusting. It was so it was like, cool, like what can I afford? Hmm, this place that's four hundred dollars a month. That sounds great. But it was in this uh, area called Jamaica in Queens, which is like it's like an hour train ride out of Manhattan. So it was so far. But it was four hundred dollars a month, and quite frankly, who was I to say no to that? But it was it was like a huge share house with twelve other people. Whoa! I literally like on the twelve bedrooms. Yes, it must have been. Yeah, because I had my own bedroom. I literally only met like two people, two other people that lived there in the time that I lived there, and it was it was so gross. You literally would take your own toilet paper into the toilet because it was just like you wouldn't leave. Nothing was communal because everyone would just take it. Mm. But I was hardly there. I would, like, wake up and I would, like, take my lunch and I'd go into Manhattan and I would just, like, I guess wander around or, like, meet up with the people that I had met, like, these friends that I, like, forced myself onto because I was Mm. like, I don't know anyone else here. Like, hang out with me. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean this politely. Yes. But the plan was to pursue performing arts and you hadn't been accepted into a school yet. So what was taking up your days during that time? How were you spending them? Honestly, I was I was a massive party girl, huge party girl back then. And I had been for a long time at this point. Like we started drinking at 14 in Newcastle. So at this point, you know, I knew what I was doing. But <laughs> so a lot of the time it was the nightlife for me. It was like I was going to bars. I was going to house parties. And so I feel like a lot of the time it was like catching up with people and then it would turn into like a night on the piss. I wasn't doing what I had planned to do there at all. And that's okay. Like I think at the time I struggled with it because I realized, oh, you don't have a working visa. Mm. Technically you can't work here. Like how did I think I just didn't have a plan. I had a plan for like how to get there, but I didn't have a plan about like what it would look like once I was there. So I did do a couple of things. Like I remember I I have a uh, like a celebrity family friend in Matthew McConaughey. Whoa. Yes. So I, I, he got me like this gig, like not, I say working, it wasn't paid. It was yeah. like I was, I, I was volunteering on set for Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Oh. That film that yeah. would have came out about then. And so I did go to Boston to work 
on set for that. That was amazing just being in that environment. But again, I didn't have a working visa. So, mm. like, I don't know where I thought that was going to, like, take me. It sounds like real 18-year-old behavior. It was today. just beautifully <laughs> 18 and just absolutely <laughs> clueless. Um, and, you know, I kind of blew that opportunity as well because of I was drinking heavily and just, you know, that's something that I still talk to my therapist about now. Mm. But really, I just got so involved in the partying and that is what that year turned into. Like, it was great and I absolutely loved it and I learned so much. It was like my first time living at a home. Not only was it at a home, it was on the other side of the world um, with, like, no one to answer to, which at 18 is heaven. I was, yeah, I loved it. There was, like, definitely some down, some low points there, but, like, it was it was a pretty wild 12 months. Let's jump into a song, Cerise. Yeah. Firstly, huge lineup of songs so far and, you know, you've you've kept it high with this one. You've picked a Beyonce song. Yes. Tell me about it. Okay, Single Ladies by Beyonce. Um, So this song, I think it must have come out just before or during um, my year in New York. And I remember there there was this club that I used to go to all the time. It was called Club Runway in Manhattan. And when I say I was a regular, I was there like four nights a week. And I was friends with all the staff and all the security guards. And it was this amazing hip hop club. And there was, um, so there was all these booth tables, booth seats. And then in the middle of the club, there was a giant runway and it was lit up and it was just so much fun. And people would just dance on it during the night. But whenever this song came on during the night, literally all of the bottle girls would stop working. So they would stop what they were doing and they would run up to the runway and I would also go because I was friends with everyone. (laughs) And for the entire song, it wasn't even for like a little bit of the song. We would just dance for this entire song. And it was... Would you do the dance? We would do like a, I guess, a variation of the dance. I never learned the whole thing, but you'd do like the... uh, 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 Yeah. (laughs) uh, uh, uh. Um, And it was just so much fun. And so like even now when I hear that song, it just takes me back to like dancing on the runway and that, that period in my life. Single Ladies, it was Beyonce on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. The chooser was fitness expert Cerise Page. And when you were telling the story of why you chose that song, Cerise, you talked about your time in New York and frequenting a club. You said four nights a week. Let's get into that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny hearing it. Yes, I was there a lot. Yeah. I was there a lot. And I mean, a couple of times in the show, you've, you know, touched on drinking and maybe drinking, having a negative impact in your life was there a moment where you realized maybe you were drinking a little bit too much there were many moments like that but certainly there were a couple times when I was living there that because I am I was always a blackout drunk so like from a young age when we started drinking I was often like the drunkest at most things and I would completely black out, which when you are younger is like really funny and you kind of wake up when you're like 16, 17 and you're like, oh my God, what happened last night? Tell me, was I so funny? Like, what did I do? <laughs> um, but then when you get older, it's 
extremely stressful, mm. especially when you don't really... I had friends in New York, but I didn't have anyone, like, looking out for me there. Like, you know, growing up in Newcastle, you're always in, like, a group of friends and, like, there's someone there that's going to, like, make sure you get home. But there was, yeah, I remember... I think it happened a couple of times when I was living there, but probably the first time was pretty early on. And I went out and I didn't know that many people there. So I think I just took myself to a bar and I was like, just drinking. I made friends with the bartender, I guess, and just like blacked out and kind of, I remember this, this time that I'm thinking of right now, I came to in someone's apartment just with this like random guy and I had lost my bag mm. and I didn't have, I think I must've had my phone cause I probably still had it in my hand, but it was terrifying. And I just, cause I had no idea who this guy was, but basically I was lucky that my auntie, I mean, she lived an hour away, but literally my uncle drove into Manhattan to like collect me um, because I was beside myself. But that, was the first really scary time I think it happened to me but it happened lots over the years so I I I am now seven and a half years sober um seven and a half no I've given myself an extra half a year I was only (laughs) seven years sober on October 5th I think once it's passed I always add a half a year yeah it's not half a year um and yeah so I I I had a huge problem with alcohol for a really long time and it does run in my family and I yeah I had I've had a lot of scary things happen over the years that kind of on their own were never enough to make me stop drinking but kind of years of it building up is you know that's what kind of got me there. I think it's like there are those scary things that can happen when you black out but then there are also important moments that you miss when you're black out as yeah. well. Did you ever experience that? Um definitely also lots of them like I I remember going to my auntie Tina's wedding and this was like a family event like I remember going with my dad and my stepmom and I think my little sister Ruby who would have been a baby at the time and just got obliterated and blacked out and like don't I don't remember it I don't remember the wedding and I'm pretty sure my I'm pretty sure Kylie this is my stepmom said that she like pretty much had to carry me out of that wedding Mm. which is so embarrassing and just missing out on and that feeling of like waking up the next day and like that was a wasted night I have that's time that I just lost like it's not even like I have great memories of like that that night or like dancing or catching up with friends it's actually like waking up and being like oh I just lost 12 hours of my life Mm. that I'll never get back and I feel like shit and I probably said something really offensive to my best friend which I used to always do riddle me that (laughs) I guess it's shit that I held on to as a child that would come out when I was drunk um or I'd just done something really embarrassing but there was I was 25 so this is years later so I'm jumping ahead here but I was living in Melbourne at the time but I had flown to Sydney for my um, one of my best friend's birthday party and she had hired out an Airbnb and we were all welcome to stay it was like a right near the beach it was beautiful and she was like you know there's I'm gonna provide all the food and all the drinks so all you have to do is show up and I was so excited and bear in mind you know this is like I started drinking at 14 so this is like 11 years of like quite heavy drinking obviously not the first couple years but Mm. from the age of about 17 onwards it was like blackout drinking frequently um and and drink just to also just make a point of it wasn't just a party drinker but like drinking alone at home for many years yeah leading up to this as well and 
I was at this party and I was so excited to catch up with everyone because I hadn't, this is my school friends. We're still friends. I've been friends with these people for over 20 years now. And I was like, I'm, I, I really want to be careful not to overdrink because I want to actually catch up with my friends. I want to remember the night because I never get to see them. And I kind of rocked up and I was just, I got like so overwhelmed. Free alcohol is just like for someone with a drinking problem is just like, oh, mm. <laughs> really intense. You can't really focus on anything else because if you're trying not to indulge, all you can think about is not drinking it all immediately yeah as quickly as possible and I guess I I think that was like I I managed to slow it down and I was going a little bit slower than normal but I did end up drinking just an excessive amount and again I blacked out I don't remember the night there are photos of the night it's really weird seeing those photos now and I remember waking up everyone stayed and and one of my good friends I think it was Wade but I'm not sure were like oh like how are you how are you feeling this morning yeah, you were you were on one last oh. night, and just that like sinking, it's giving me a sinking feeling, right? It's a that. sinking feeling because it's like, or you've already thought it before anyone's already said it. So actually, mm. you didn't need to say that because I've woken up and I've gone, oh fuck, mm. I don't remember going to bed. Um, I'm in my outfit from last night. I'm not in pajamas, and just like such disappointment in myself. Like I wasn't able to do this one thing. I'm getting a little bit emotional talking about mm. it, that I really wanted to do is just like focus on catching up with friends and not getting really drunk. Um, sorry. Um, and I was just sad for myself because I was just like, why is everyone else kind of able to um, socialize and have like, you know, a drink and still like put the drink down? And mm. have a dance and then maybe go back to it, have a snack. Impossible. It was in my hand. I was sculling it. I was making the next one. I was always like that. Um, so, yeah, it was the next morning that I was like, I'm fucking done, actually. And I didn't I didn't decide to, like, quit completely at that point. I was like, I'm going to have a break and I'm going to prove to myself that I can have a period of time off drinking. And I set a month. And it was like, I, I think in my eyes it was like, this is it. Like I had tried to do it. I had done like very pathetic attempts at trying to quit before and I didn't really try that hard. But this time I was like, no, I'm done. I don't want this for myself. Like I want more. I'm done with this. And did you do that by yourself? Yeah, I did. So I think, you know, at, at this point, my dad was, I want to say six years sober and he wasn't in the program. He wasn't in AA. He did that cold turkey and he had tried many times before that um over the years over my childhood and it had never stuck but I so I guess it was modeled to me that he could do it because this time so I think it wasn't only that I was like so sad in myself but I was it was that extra push of like I see how much my dad's life has changed going sober Mm. how much happier he is how much healthier he is and just how much how much more like lovely he is to be around now. And I wanted that for myself. Um, And so he modeled to me that like you can do it. And so I just set the goal of one month. And in upon like reflection now, I wish I had have gone to AA because I think it would have been really nice to be in um, a community 
um, that's so supportive and you're around people that have done it and are doing it. But I didn't. <laughs> but I had my dad on the phone mm. all the time. And I had also become really good friends um, with this other guy. Um, I won't say his name, but he was in AA at the time as well. Um, and so spending time with him was really helpful just kind of seeing what my life could potentially look like without alcohol. And it was, I think, because one month is like a very, yes, it was a long period of time for someone that drinks every day. And mm. I was drinking every day, at least six days a week. Um, but it was kind of like I'm really, and I don't want to downplay people with alcoholism because I don't want to make it sound like, like I'm very lucky and I only know my experience. So my experience was I'm setting this goal for one month and it felt like a challenge and it was something I wanted to prove to myself. And at that time, my dad and my friend, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to do it. And so there was a little bit of excitement in it because I was like, like, what if I can do this? It was, I was ready to make a change and I was for the first time excited to see who I could possibly be without it. Mm. I'm so amazed hearing you tell that story. A couple of months ago, I had an addiction psychiatrist on this show, yeah. Dr. Stephen Jerd, and he just talked about alcoholism on like a cognitive level and the way that the hierarchy of priorities changes in your brain yeah. and how it's a disease that's really, really hard to overcome. So for you to feel motivated enough to do that with just the support of your dad and your friend is so amazing, Cerise, and I'm so impressed by you and really grateful that you shared that story with me. I want to jump into a song now. It's by Lady Gaga. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. Excellent. (laughs) Tell me why you picked this one. Um, Okay, so I love Lady Gaga. I have always loved Lady Gaga, and this... This song on this album kind of just reminds me of this. Um, I was kind of floating for a, a quite a period there. But, like, a lot of that was really fun. And I remember living when I was living in Sydney and um, my sister and I we used to listen to this album on repeat all the time. We are both obsessed with Gaga. And I'm pretty sure I bought Sade and myself tickets for her birthday to go and see Lady Gaga live. And we got fully dressed up and we just had the most amazing time. I mean, I still love all of her new music too, but there's something about this album that takes me back to being in like my early 20s and going out partying and just having so much fun dancing. It's Poker Face by Lady Gaga on Out of the Box on FBI Radio This is Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. My name is Mia Hull and I'm sitting down with fitness expert Cerise Page who chose that song. It was, of course, Poker Face by Lady Gaga. And we just talked about a pretty big milestone in your life, Cerise, where you were struggling with drinking and managed to overcome it and, you know, reached a month sober and then decided to continue with that. And I think that that experience kind of parallels your experience moving into the fitness world which is just a huge 
change for you. <laughs> <laughs> Massive flip. And, and tell me about that change. How do you arrive at Fitness Expert? So they they did for me go quite hand in hand. And I don't, um, you know, I have a sober birth date. So I have a date for that. I don't have a date for like when I first kind of decided, I guess, to like experiment with exercise, I would probably say. But like for me, I exercise is always something that I really wished I could get into or really wished that I liked and could stick to. And I lived my whole life kind of witnessing my friends, especially going to performing arts school. So a lot of dancers um, and they play a lot of sports. They're really fit. And a lot of them kept doing extracurricular, like after school even, which is crazy to me. My best friend Katie still like plays footy and like soccer and all this stuff. I was never like that. Um, and I, I wished I was like that and I was never like that. Um, and I guess for me, like a big barrier always felt like because I was drinking every night, um, I, I was not like it was not in the car. I was not going to get up and go to the gym, especially if it's not something I already wanted to do. That was never going to happen for me while I was still a drinker. And it still amazes me when I meet people that I know do both and they can they can do both. They can have like maybe they have like, a, you know, a normal relationship with alcohol or whatever that is, I guess, quote unquote. Um, and they're able to like they get up and they do the gym in the morning. Like I could have never done that. So for me, it really came when I when I stopped drinking. So it was about about a month after I decided to to take a pause, I'll say take a pause from drinking. And then it was at the end of the month, I was like, this is amazing. I am doing it. I'm actually doing it. And I'm going to set a longer goal for myself. So I decided to set the goal of a year. And I was like, I'm going to do a year. I'm going to do the year. And then at the end of the year, if I decide I want to go back to drinking, actually, I'm I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to allow myself to make that decision if that feels right. And if not, then I won't. And it's kind of, it was almost like I just put a lot of trust in myself to make that decision later down the track. Um, and I also just want to say again, and I can't emphasize this enough, that this is just my experience. And I don't want to take away from anyone else's experience of, you know, being an alcoholic or whatever it is that I call myself because I call myself something different all the time. I was a problem drinker. So I set myself the goal of a year. And it was pretty early in that that I randomly, I don't know how, but I decided I was going to start exercising. I remember being on Instagram when I got this Insta ad for ClassPass. If you don't know what that is, it's an app that you pay a membership fee for and basically it gives you access to go and try classes at heaps of different places. So at the time it was this, it was a, it had just started and it was like beginner's deal. And it was like a hundred, I think it was $150 for three months of unlimited classes. And I Googled some of these studios and there were boutique studios and there were bougie. And I was like, some of these classes are $50 a class, like Pilates. That's not uncommon. Mm. So I was like, you know what? They've got everything there. I'm going to give this a go. And for me at the time, and for a lot of people, $150 is still a lot of money. So I was like, I'm going to pay this. I don't necessarily have this free, but I'm going to invest it. And I am going to see if I can get into this. And it kind of felt like a last ditch effort because I'd signed up to a million gyms and never gone ever and just sat with that guilt of like, ooh, mm. money down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? But so I signed up to ClassPass and I think part of it for me was like, I loved that I could go to a different thing each day. So I was doing like Pilates 
and I was doing like boot camp stuff. I think I did some yoga, like just really random stuff. There wasn't that much on at the time, but I really liked it. And even though I was not particularly good at any of it, I very quickly realized how amazing it feels to be in like a room filled with other people and everyone kind of pushes each other in group fitness. Mm. Um, and like, you know, you do group fitness now. <laughs> you get it. It's fun. It's like a really nice environment predominantly. And it's, you know, some places less so. But I was doing morning classes. So that was a really, really great tool for me. Having something booked in at 6.30 a.m. was like extra incentive to like have my dinner, have a cup of tea and go to bed. So it was kind of like less less time up late at night thinking about drinking. Yeah. So that literal thing of like, I have to go to bed because if I don't make it to this class in the morning, I'm going to get hit with a $20 cancellation fee. And bitch, I can't afford that. Yeah. (laughs) That cancellation fee made me go to so many classes that I would otherwise not have gone to. The ultimate motivator. The ultimate motivator. (laughs) That's why I'm like, it's kind of shit that they do that, but it works. (laughs) Well, it worked for me because of my financial situation. I mean, it works for them as well if no one shows up. It works for them. Oh, they rake it in. So... I loved it. I started feeling amazing. Also, none of this was ever attached to my body, like how it looked. That was never really a thing for me. I always felt amazing. Um, And I've been in bigger body and a smaller body. It was very much just like I wanted to be that person that worked out and enjoyed it. So I was – I did the three months and I went – I probably did six classes a week for those three months. I was getting my money's worth and some – and then I made the – it was, like, such a moment. I was like, you know what? I want to go on to, like, the actual membership. And I think that was $100 a month. It was still unlimited classes back then, which technically is an amazing deal. But I was like, I'm making this investment in mm. myself. And I just loved it. I felt amazing immediately after the class and I would feel so great through the day. And because I had so much more energy because I wasn't drinking, it was like I had – It was like a double hit. It was like I had more energy because I wasn't drinking and more energy because I was exercising, which a lot of the time kind of makes you feel like you want to eat like a little bit healthier sometimes because you're like, maybe I need a protein powder. Maybe I'll have like a healthy sandwich yeah. instead of like, you know, chicken schnitty or something. They do sometimes, for some people, they do go hand in hand. And for me, that was the case. And it felt really good. And so it was at the six month point I had been consistently nonstop exercising. I was six months sober. I was just obsessed with group fit. And I'll say, I think at the time I was like saying exercise, but it was group fitness is what I loved. So even though I had said that I was going to give myself a year to make that decision at six months, I was like, I'm done. This is it. Like I can't, I feel, I felt like a different person and I felt incredible. And all of a sudden it felt like I was like thinking into my future and I was like trying to picture what I wanted to do as like a career and so for me I was like well this feels amazing so basically kind of opened my eyes to thinking into the future and then it was at the one year point that I decided I want to do this like I want to get into fitness there's like no reason I couldn't help other people feel the way that I'm feeling and I remember I remember a phone call I was on the phone to my mom and I I think I actually made the decision on the phone. And I was like, I think I want to do this for work. I think I want to become a personal trainer or like group fitness instructor. But like, how am I going to afford to study? And like, I still need to work and pay rent. My mom was living in Sydney. And she was like, well, you could 
just like move in with me and like study in Sydney. Again, the parents come the parents through. The parents come through, Billy. <laughs> so, and literally, yeah, I remember I was standing out the front of my apartment. I lived on Little Lonsdale Street in Melbourne and I was on the phone and I was like, I'm going to do that. Mm. It was the first thing that I thought of, of like future study or like something that I could do for work that excited me and like I felt passionate about and here was my mom saying I'm going to help you do this by you come and live with me for like cheap rent so you can study and I was like well um, that's what I'm doing Mm. and I decided that's it. (laughs) No that's that's so amazing because I think a a lot of people probably feel that way but the step to actually become an instructor is a whole other thing and I wonder if part of that points to your love of performance and your, you know, want to be on stage or in the spotlight a little bit. Massively. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I I think I, yeah, you see these people teaching group fitness class and it doesn't matter what the class is actually, um, but they'd have their little Madonna microphone on, <laughs> which I just love. So I always wanted to wear one and everyone in the class knew them. And a lot of the times they had like a little, almost like a pseudo celebrity vibe. Mm. Everyone wanted to chat to them after class. And yeah, I wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted that. And a lot of that was the for the performance side of it too. Yeah. Well, what an incredible turnaround. I've got such a big smile listening to you tell that story. What does the future hold for you? It's just been so up and up for so long. Where do you go from here? So what I real so now I'm a I'm a full-time personal trainer and I do group fitness for fun so I still love group fitness um but PT is like a huge passion of mine I love lifting weights and helping helping people feel strong so I've kind of I've I've been dipping my toe in online like online PT training and what I really want to do is like I want to have an app I want to have a fitness app and I think the thing for me is like it's really oversaturated at the moment in fitness apps and fitness professionals that focus on how your body looks Mm. and what you eat and macros. Like I don't talk about any of that. I couldn't care less. Me and my clients were never going to talk about like food or how their body looks or anything like that. It's all about just like how exercise makes you feel. It makes you feel incredible. Obviously, like I want the app to have like online training and like like little videos of me doing the workouts but like finding a way to do that so that people are doing it because it makes them feel amazing and not because they want to like they're not comparing like before and after photos I'm really not a fan of that yeah because I'm like what like there's so much more to that picture that you're like how did you feel how are you feeling totally in that before photo I don't care how you look like I don't care what size you are now Mm. and what you were before and so I think for me it's like I'm, I'm really trying to spread trying to, I guess, spread the message like a lot of people are now, but not as many should be, as like, let's like refocus the importance of exercise on like your mental health and like just being a badass bitch going through your life feeling strong because you just did fucking deadlifts in the morning. Yeah. Like there's so much more to the fitness industry than what people kind of stereotype it as because of the loudest people on social media about it, which I think is so problematic. So I think for me, I'm just, I'm trying to hone my personal brand into like really trying to make that my focus. And I want to be like, make sure that people feel like it's a really inclusive space and you can look anywhere you want to look and eat whatever the fuck you want, but let's just like have an amazing time exercising together. I love that. And 
I, I love the way you talk about it too because I think that a lot of those kind of apps or, you know, like fitness goals you're talking about are yeah. like short-term or like timeline-driven. Oh, it's like you could look like this in 10 weeks. Yeah. And I think that what you're talking about is more of a lifestyle. Which, completely. Yeah, it's really exciting and refreshing to hear. This whole interview has been so exciting and refreshing to hear. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I have loved this. It's, yeah, I've had a really good time. I, I really like chatting to you. Whoa, thank you. Let's hang out afterwards. Let's get a latte. Let's go get a yes. latte. But we've got a song to play first. You've chosen Lizzo. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. So I love this song. This is like, you know, a very current song and it's from a new album and and from the minute I heard it, and I'm not a big, to be fair, I'm not a big lyric person a lot of the time in songs. I think it's because of, maybe it's from teaching group fitness. I'm listening to the beat. I'm like, how does it sound? How does it feel? How does my body want to move when I hear this song? And this song to me is just like joyous. But on top of that, like the lyrics are amazing. And it's like to be loved. And that kind of speaks to me. And when I listen to this song, I want to get up from where I'm sitting and I just want to dance and I want to literally scream the lyrics and that to me is just like the my idea of the perfect song an incredible and cerise <laughs> page fitness expert thank you so much for joining me on out of the box and we'll jump into that song you've picked it's called to be loved by lizzo hey thank you so much for tuning in if you did want to listen back to this episode or any out of the box episodes you can do that on the programs page on fbiradio.com on there too i'll have cerise's full track list and some resources for some of the things that we've spoken about if this episode did bring anything to the surface for you you can call lifeline on 13 11 14 i want to give a big shout out to producer tash for doing all of the research for this episode thanks tash thanks tash. Love you. we love you <laughs> <laughs> and do stay tuned lunch is right around the corner fbi he called me Melly. he squeezed my belly i'm too embarrassed to say i like it girl is this my boo that's why i'm asking you because you know i've been